Welcome to this week's Crowd Church service. We are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. Our service uh, will last about an hour and in a few seconds you'll meet our hosts uh, for our service who will introduce today's talk. After the talk, we will have a time of worship and reflection, after which we head into Conversation Street, where we look at your stories and questions that you've posted in the comments. Now, we want to invite you to connect with us here at Crowd Church, and we've got a few ways in which you can do just that. Firstly, you can engage with Crowd from any device during our live stream, and if you're up for it, why not invite a few friends over and experience the service together? You see, church is all about connecting with God and connecting with others. And one of the easiest ways for you to do that is join one of our midweek groups where we meet online together to catch up and discover more about the amazingness of Christ. You can also subscribe to our fairly new podcast called What's the Story, uh, where we deep dive into stories of faith and courage from everyday people. More information about all of these things can be found on our website at www.crowd.church, or you can reach out to us on social media at Crowd Church. If you are new to crowd or new to the Christian faith and would like to know what your next steps to take are, well, why not head over to our website crowd.church forward slash next for more details. And now, the moment you've been waiting for is here. Our online church service starts right now. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Crowd Church, Crowd Online Church. I am here with the very right Reverend SPJ and I don't know how many other initials we can give you, John. John Harding, great to have you with us, bro. It's great to be with you, Matt, and uh, the less initials, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good to see you and it's good to be here. Love what you guys are doing and it is always a joy to take part so thank you for having me oh no it's great it's great we've just um we've just been eating some of zoe's muffins have we so it's it's not a bad they way to start fantastic. so if zoe does watch it back i've got to say they were excellent <laughs> matt's put in the comments here where's my pistachio i I've no idea what that's it's, about. It's a Greek lasagna, and I'm um, I'm on it, Matt. I'll, I'll I'll give it a go this next week or so. I've got some time off for half term. Yeah, and that's you slow cook one. You see, you've got to give it plenty of time. Ah, very good. Well, if you are just joining us, we are not a cooking channel. Uh, we are, in fact, an online church. Uh, and as as you do, tend to do with church, uh, you tend to talk about food an awful lot. Uh, church tends to resolve around food. So, uh, yeah, we are an online church. Good to see you. Good that you are here. If you are uh, up for it, just say hi in the comments. If you're watching on the live, we're on Facebook. We are on YouTube. Uh, always nice to meet you in the comments. I'll be in there throughout the service. George is uh, also in the comments. He's moderating. Um, uh, he's moderating for Crowd. So when it says that Crowd Church needs to try this, this is in fact George saying that. Uh, so uh, yeah, and there's Matt Crow in the comments. So if you're there, say hi. It'd be great to see you. This week we have, in fact, John, why don't you say who we've got this week? 
Well, we have got James Sloan, who is yeah. the CEO of Imagine If Trust, a charity based in Liverpool that are doing incredible transformative impact work, working with marginalised people, um, doing work as far as Congo DRC. Uh, James is the real deal. He's part of the uh, senior leadership team at Frontline Church, a good friend, and um, we are going to really, really be blessed by James's thoughts as he shares today. I know that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. James, what a legend he is. Uh, and then after James's talk, we're going to have a time of worship where you can sing along. And if you don't know the words, you'll, they'll be on the screen. You can sing along if you're able to do so. Or just think about the words as they come along. And then after that, John and I will be back for Conversation Street where we will talk through your questions um, and comments uh, and we will love it and we'll get into it. I'm very, very much looking forward to Conversation Street, John, because we always have a good time chatting about things, I think. We certainly do. Lots to chat about and um, do try and keep your mic muted when you're doing the singing. People might not realise <laughs> Um, bass, voice, but um, you, you hear it on this screen, but fortunately mutes it and it doesn't go out publicly. So. <laughs> yeah. I've not I've not made that slip up yet where I've left my mic on uh, whilst doing worship. Uh, Dion's in the comments. Dion, hey, how you doing? I hope you're feeling at least a little bit better. Dion had COVID, bless her. Um, and so hopefully you're, you're recovering, Dion. Uh, Sarah's in the comments. Hi, Sarah. Uh, hi, it's double I on the hi, so hi. <laughs> yes, uh, great to see you in there. I do keep saying hi in the comments, be great to see you. Um, right, so what we're going to do now, uh, we will jump straight into James's talk, which uh, John so masterfully uh, introduced. Uh, and then we'll have the worship where I definitely will be muting my microphone. <laughs> and then we'll be back for Coronation Street, a uh, Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to do coronation street it's going to be conversation street just so you know um uh, <laughs> i don't know why i said coronation street that's really mental okay so here's the talk <laughs> we'll be back after this oh, why is that button stop working every week here we go let's try it again today we're continuing our journey through the series called origin we're looking at the book of john the last of the four gospels and very much unlike Matthew, Mark and Luke in the way it describes the life and events of Jesus. So today we're in chapter 7 and we see the identity of Jesus called into question. And I want to look at a couple of points in the chapter and see what we can learn from it together. But not as an academic exercise. You know, as Christians, we believe the Bible to be, to be God's word to us, uh, not just a text or a historic account. In fact, Nicky Gumbel, uh, a well-known uh, pastor of a church in London, says uh, the Bible is the only book whose author is always present with you every time you read it. So for me, every time I read the Bible, I look to reflect on what I feel God might be saying to me through his word. It helps me to grow my faith as I seek to, to share Jesus with those around me. And this passage in John has loads that we can reflect on and learn about in the person of Jesus. So I titled this short talk, Who is Jesus to me? For context, we pick up uh, John's account as a debate uh, rages on about Jesus' testimony and his claims to be the son of God. The people of Jerusalem, probably a small mob of devout Jews, claim he cannot be the Christ 
as they know where he's from. This could be due to scriptures um, from the Old Testament um, in books like Malachi, where it says that the God's messenger will come suddenly to the temple. It may have been a, a popular belief that Messiah would just appear out of nowhere, almost as if he was waiting concealed and someday would just burst suddenly upon the world and no one would know where he had come from. So let's look at Jesus' um, response to their accusations. It says, Yes, you think you know me and where I'm from, but that's not where I'm from. My true origin is in the one who sent me, and you don't know him at all. I know that I come from him, that's how I know him. He sent me here. That's the message translation of John 7, 28. They may have known Jesus came from Nazareth, but they didn't understand his origin and his relationship to the Father. If they knew God the Father, then they would know Christ the Son, as the two are one. The crowd were perhaps confused about where the Messiah would come from, but Jesus knew exactly where he came from. His origin and his mission were from God. I am from him and he sent me. Now for me, growing up, I heard a lot about Jesus and all the Bible stories, but I didn't have any kind of sense of understanding what a relationship with God looked or, or even felt like. It wasn't until later in life that I really felt the presence of God and then all the stories and Bible verses made sense. So I wasn't focused on following a religion but living a life of faith. Suddenly it felt like an adventure rather than a bunch of rules. It was liberating, it was life-giving, it was life-shaping. Recently I've been on a, on a parenting course um, about raising kids in, in church and it talks about the difference between being God smart and being God connected. We can, we can teach our kids all the information from the Bible and they can sing all the songs at church, but this doesn't mean they'll feel connected to God. It's a step of faith they have to take for themselves. The crowds had seen and heard of his miracles, but they couldn't allow themselves to believe that this carpenter from Nazareth was the Messiah the one they'd been waiting for, the one who could save them from Roman occupation and the one who could bring salvation. They lacked faith. Then it, it would appear in the passage that some time um, passes and then Jesus speaks on the last day of one of the Jewish feasts. This would have gained serious attention as he was in the temple courts, which was like um, a busy area directly outside the temple itself. Um, but also because it says that he stood up to speak. Now, most teachers, rabbis, um, would, have been, would have been sat down when they taught from the scriptures. So in John verse 37, uh, John 7, 37, sorry, it says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, quick bit of religious context. The Feast of Tabernacles, which lasted eight days, all through the first seven days, water from this pool called the Pool of Siloam was carried in a, a golden pitcher and poured out at the altar to remind everyone of the water that God miraculously provided for a thirsty Israelite people in the wilderness. Jesus boldly called people to himself to drink and satisfy their deepest thirst, their spiritual thirst. 
This invitation was, was broad because it said if anyone from any intelligent race, gender, nationality or political party, it's not limited. However, the invitation was, was narrow because it said if anyone thirsts, they must first see their need. Thirst is not anything in itself. It's a lack of something. It's, it's an emptiness, a crying need. And Jesus is essentially saying to the crowd, there's no more water at the temple and in the rituals that you followed. I have the water you're looking for. To come to Jesus and to drink was essentially to put your faith in him, to trust in, rely on and cling to Jesus for both time and eternity. But Jesus didn't only speak of something coming into a person, but something flowing out of them as well. It was not only a, a blessing received, but, but a blessing to others, a source of blessing. And if you put your trust in Jesus and enthrone him in your life, in your heart, then life and abundance will flow out to others. And this is where I find the joy of living as a Christian. It's not a constant strive for self-improvement, it's finding your place in God's family and making a contribution to serve those both within um, and outside of the church. There's this passage I love in the book of Ezekiel um, where it talks about water flowing from the temple towards a, a dry desert land and as it flows, the water gets deeper and deeper um, as it flows out towards the sea. And along the way you hear there the are fresh fish in the water, there are fruit trees on its bank and everything it touches kind of springs into life. And for me, that's a reminder of the potential of the church to bring life into our communities as the people of God bless others through their words and through their actions. That's a church that I love and that I believe Jesus is coming back for. Now, after all these um, accounts were given in, in John 7, we see that there are a number of reactions and responses from the crowd. Some say he was a prophet. Some say he was the Christ. Others doubted and, and wanted to kill him. So what's your response to Jesus? Have you put your trust in him? Have you put your faith in him? Are you God smart or God connected? Maybe you're watching this and have never taken that step of faith as it feels uncertain or, or scary. If that's the case, then I'd really encourage you to message a member of the crowd team or reach out to your local church. For me personally, since I made the decision to, to commit my life to following Jesus, I've, I've never looked back. It's given my life a sense of purpose. It's given me a, a church family with whom I can journey through life with. But it's also given me a sense of peace when the world is flipped upside down like we've seen in previous years. And it means I can trust in God, the one who never changes. I'd love to share a little video with you of a lady called Anna. Um, Anna came into our church building about eight years ago um, looking for help, she was given food and connected with some volunteers from the church. Uh, and fast forward to the present day, and she's now working with the homeless um, in Liverpool and leading a Polish church congregation. You know, she, she encountered Jesus, and since then, her life has been transformed. And she found her place in, in a church family where she can serve and be a blessing to others, just like we read in the passage today. So I pray today that you would experience this living water of Jesus Christ in your life and it would fill you to overflowing to bless those around you. This is Anna's story. I was born in Poland when I spent 20 years of my life. I moved to England and I met my partner then when I was 20. 
I spent with him eight years, which were not very healthy at most of the times. I've got two children with him. During two arguments and different lifestyles, we separated in not a very pleasant situation. I didn't know where to look for support. I've been giving a voucher for food bank as I need some supplies for me and the children, and I ended up in Frontline Church. I walked through the door and I was greeted with the most kind smile and the welcoming presence of Estelle. Estelle spoken to me like nobody before about this fantastic and amazing person who loves me no matter what I've done and what I've been through. And she just told me that he wants me to be with him and that he will give me everything I need and care for me and that his name is Jesus. For the first nine months of social care, help we've been giving a place in domestic violence refuge which was very good but we didn't have any money as our claim didn't go through so we need the support it is very difficult to ask for food when you have nothing and two children it's a very humbling experience i didn't have to go through a very painful road because of people from frontline they just they just got the money together, brought food now and then, treated me always with respect and dignity, and they always pray. I had, I had so many friends then, but the best feeling was that, that people pray for me, that there is this Jesus, this amazing person who looks after me and my children, and that, that I don't have to be worried anymore because he will provide for every single thing that I need. And he did that. When I was on my own and children asleep, I had nobody to turn into. Then on one Sunday when I came in, I was just greeted with this big family in here. Lots of people. Nobody asked who I am, where I'm from. They just accepted me how I am with my children and they just loved me for who I was. The community here allowed me to blossom, to feel good about myself, to put the past behind me and learn new things about, about this amazing God that is our Father. I've managed to meet Ben with his community that is Bible Heritage. I've managed to explore even more about Bible and find out about Jesus and live by what he wanted me to live by. And that's amazing to know that you, for every single day you're blessed with a God presence and you're doing everything best to please him. And he's gonna be happy for you no matter what. It was just the best thing I knew. And I knew from that particular moment that there is nothing else I can give to my children. I'm not rich. I, I won't have many things to give to them, but I can show them God. I can introduce them to Jesus. If they manage to build that connection with God, then my job is done. I am, I am ticked. My, my parenting has been proven to be good. Today, I work in a Catholic school. I work in a primary school where Jesus is celebrity. He's celebrated every day with the prayer. The children know who he is. They can ask and speak freely about Jesus' love to them and to others. The Catholic school allowed me to meet other people, to speak to other parents, and use my talents to languages, to translate, and to just let everybody know how much God loves them. And it is amazing. How just simple sentence make, can make so much difference in people's life. Just to know that, you know what, I know it's difficult, but there is Jesus and he loves you. And that's a good smile on people's face.
God of goodness Anything less than all of you Anything less than your life-giving truth Never satisfy my heart Never satisfy my heart
Okay, only in you, Jesus. I love that track by Greg and Martha, uh, and you have to play it loud, I think, for it to to make sense, really. Yeah, yeah, I could hear you singing from the garden. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's on mute for everybody else. I was double checking and rechecking and doing all that kind of checking. But yes, so welcome back. So James, thank you for doing that talk. Anna, thank you for sharing your story. Love Anna. She is such an, a legend. Anna's one of these people that when you meet her, you can never forget her because she just has this sort of aura of loveliness around her, doesn't she? Uh, Anna? Absolutely. She's, she's just amazing. Uh, just amazing. So um, thank you for sharing. Uh, Dion's put in the comments, uh, you also have to harmonize and sing <laughs> Hashtag sing with the angels. Um, if you've just joined us, uh, John was maybe uh, alluding to the fact that when I sing, it's it's not very musical. Before we went to the uh, to the to the talk, but that's okay. That's okay. So we're just carrying on that conversation. Nice, joyful nice to the Lord, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is a noise, bro. <laughs> and of course, I completely agree with you because I mean, I just loved listening to James share. And I love listening to Anna share because yeah. I I know them and they're explaining effectively the source of their joy of their life, yeah. the, the the difference that they make in people's lives. They are great people to be around. James is yeah. great for around uh, Anna just gives you a big hug and is making such a massive difference uh, for uh, particularly Polish Polish yeah. and Roma people yeah, in. Yeah. Liverpool homeless people and they just really explain in some of the source of where that comes from in yeah. Jesus yeah they were and they did a great job eh? and um, mm. I and and is one of those people that I would love to dig into a story a, a lot more than just like a few minutes do you know what I mean and um, we have this new podcast shameless plug we have this new podcast called what's the story where we do deep dive into people's stories we just launched one this week the latest one is with Malcolm Trish Morgan I'm um, talking about high highs and deep seas which was just a phenomenal uh, conversation with those guys and in fact they they contacted me the next day they emailed me the next day saying oh we've just been talking to somebody in Boise Idaho we got a you know they heard heard the podcast amazing and they said it's just great how the sort of the world shrunk for them a little bit but yeah and that's of course the name of Trisha's book which is just out I read it last week. So encouraging. Yeah. It is just story after story of Trish and Malk's life and how they've just taken a risk, said yes to God, and a very that's yeah, really encouraging book of mm. it, it's not you don't read it and think, wow, Trish is amazing, even though they're amazing stories. You read it thinking, God is amazing yeah. and wants to lead us into an adventure. So I, yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Um, I'd seen that recently. It's really worth a good recommend for half term. Yeah, it is a very, very gr good book and definitely check it out. Check out the podcast. If you're not already subscribed to What's the Story, check it out uh, where you do hear people's stories about how Jesus has actually transformed their lives, which is something actually, John, you were talking about this morning. Um, you know, this, sort yeah. of this transformation effect of Christ that actually... Um, 
we got a comment uh, on YouTube from Gary, I want to say. Um, I, I noticed the other day uh, who, who, who was basically saying, you know, this the whole Jesus thing was a big fairy tale and a big myth. But how do you actually know? And um, I thought actually that tied in really well with what you were saying this morning, that actually, you know, because Jesus transformed you, right? He, he just, that's what totally. he does. Totally. That's the point, isn't it? There are lots of people who may go to churches and be religious that haven't had the encounter with Jesus, mm. for sure. But when you've encountered Jesus, it changes your life. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all about. And I know you've had that, Matt. I've had that. That's what we were saying before about James, about Anna. And James did say that quote from Nicky Gumbel, God is present with you when you read the Bible. I am yet to find um, somebody who's followed a fairy tale whose life has been radically transformed, mm. you know, it, it just doesn't happen. There is a power in this uh, and, and in this story that becomes a life transforming reality. And so effectively we read ourselves into the story. Um, and yeah, same way when you read John's gospel, you see people encountering Jesus, having their lives transformed, all sorts of different types of people. And then you think, well, could you do that for me, Jesus? And mm. that simple invitation. So yeah, that, that's we are all about transformation. Um, yeah. And that came across so well in talk, I thought. Yeah, Dion's put in here in the comments, you know when you've met someone touched by Jesus, fact. Uh, do, you, do you agree? I mean, you have oh, to just put it in the comments, but yeah. Undoubtedly. <laughs> and the point is, it's a, not a one-off thing, is it? No. That's the point. And I mean... We are invited to encounter Jesus again and again. And I think it's in that place of encounter that we are more and more transformed. For those who want a theological framework, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, 19, as we gaze at Jesus, as we look into his face, we are transformed into his likeness. That's how transformation takes place for Christians. It's not religious rule keeping. It's not, it's not about that. It's about relationship. And so... Um, yeah, there are times over the years where you meet people who've walked very closely with Jesus and are living in that place of encounter with Jesus and they radiate peace and they radiate joy. And I think you said before about Anna, she radiates joy. Yeah, yeah. She does. Sometimes I've got to say, um, I like to pop into the Polish church or into the Iranian church because you get a Pastor John and everyone's <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, and um, and that's what we're about. And mm. so, sure, we have up days and down days, don't we? Mm. And uh, the, we, we have the whole spectrum of human emotion. But actually, um, there is you know when someone spent time with Jesus uh, because yes. it, it radiates from them. Yeah, you do. Uh, and like Dion said, you know it. Uh, fact, it is. And I, I totally agree. I totally and I. Like you, I love going to see the the guys at the Polish church. You know, you spoke there, I spoke there. I had such a great time uh, with with the group, and just they all. That's just the thing about church. So Miriam put here um, that where's it gone? I go to church to encounter Jesus and to love others. That's what she wrote in the in the comments, and I think actually that's a vet I love the simplicity of that why do you go to church well I go to church to encounter Jesus first and foremost right to encounter God and I and I know John you wouldn't be sat where you are and I wouldn't be sat where I am doing what we're doing on a Sunday night if that encounter had not been real a hundred percent 
And so the metaphor, the picture that James used from John 7 today to give a reason for why he does his work with imaginative trust. And uh, he could earn, uh, he is a bright guy, mm. you know, um, masters in psychology from Liverpool University. He could earn a lot more doing something else somewhere else. You know, why is he doing what he's doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Matt, you give a huge amount of voluntary time to run Crowd Church. You know, you must be mad. But it's the picture that's used is you drink living water. Yeah. Jesus is like living water. And as you get into his presence and as you receive that and you come and you're filled again and again, it's a bit like, I mean, I've got a glass here. It's like you start filling that glass at some point, something will happen. It will start to overflow. Mm. It will start to pour out into the lives of others. And, and that's very much um, what I heard from what James and Anna was saying, the reason why they're doing what they're doing. I would want, I would hope people would know that's why I do what I'm doing. It's because when you receive Jesus, when you're transformed by him, it sort of overflows out into the life of others and refreshes others and has an impact on others. And again, put a whole bunch of people together like that. We'd call that a church. Yep. And that seems as sort of linking Ezekiel and that mm. water flowing out from the temple mm. and bringing life and refreshing to all around them. Yeah, that's a great thing, isn't it? This um, uh, about this, this whole Christian. One of the things that James touched on was this scripture from uh, from John. Um, uh, you, you think you know me uh, was the statement that he read. And I thought this was a really interesting thing. So I quickly Googled misconceptions about Jesus, common misconceptions people have about Jesus. Um, before I go through what I've written down here, uh, what are some of the common misconceptions that you come across inside the church and outside the church that people have about Jesus? Yeah, good question. I mean, it instantly makes me think of um, that... Um that Will Ferrell film where the um, the ballad of Ricky Bobby don't watch it; it's not appropriate. But they're like <laughs> sort of like the, the same grace around the dinner table, and one of the kids goes, "You know, I like to think of Jesus as like a ninja, or I like to think of Jesus." And one of them goes, "Dear, dear, dear, little nine pound six ounce baby Jesus, so cute." It's like um, it's all well and good being like, "Well, I think of Jesus like this, or I think of Jesus like that." I mean, mm. let's look at the Gospels and let's look at who Jesus really uh, was and who he claimed to be. And he is undoubtedly consistently um, uh, revealing that he is unique and God. But um, that, that's the point, isn't it? Generally, people are, th there is no academic historical doubt that Jesus existed. Mm. That is not the same for other religious leaders. Um, historical religion founders, which we won't go into. Um, but there's no academic doubt that Jesus existed. Um, so people want to say, well, Jesus was some sort of um, rabbi guru type of person, a teacher. Um, some people might even say um, a prophet. Um, and really, Jesus leaves no space for that. And C.S. Lewis, the author of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, wrote far more about um, Jesus and his life than anything else. And I think he talks about madman, liar, lunatic. Yeah. They have your three options. Either Jesus is the son of God, 
unique, God in human form, or he is a madman, a liar, or a lunatic, I think he says, on equivalent of someone who claims to be a poached egg. I think is the exact quote. Don't don't quote me. You know, Jesus left no... Generally, that is what people... They're like, oh, you know, you know we, we have, like, the nice, inoffensive baby Jesus. We can cope with that because we get Christmas presents. Or we like the Jesus that says nice things like love your neighbour and um, turn the other cheek, Jesus the guru. But actually, Jesus, in this passage that James read, was polarising people. Mm. You either humble yourself and acknowledge that he is Messiah. James used that word, the Christ, the long-awaited promised saviour, God in human form on earth to save us. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to you've got to say, I might not be right. I might not be king of my life. Um, and and that, that takes humility. It takes revelation, actually. Yeah. Um, You've, you've got to do that or people will write, write him off, but you can't write him off because 2,000 years later, look at his impact yeah. in the world. He's still changing lives. Mm. He's still transforming people. He's still doing everything he said that he said it would. You know, I just think Matthew 28, he said that he would never leave you. And I know for a fact, Matt, that you and I have experienced that yeah. when we received we have known his presence with us and I'm sure the folks watching that know Jesus will have had a similar experience he's true to his promises yes. so, sorry for getting a little bit excited no, Matt. you crack on that's <laughs> my favourite topic <laughs> no I think, I think it's totally true though I, I wrote down some stats here from Barna Research right which I know you've come across before mm. so 29% of people surveyed think that Jesus is a prophet um, 22% feel like he's uh, said that he was a myth or a fictional character um and this was i mean let's get get on to that myth that's debunked because obviously of all the historical evidence that we've got he wasn't a myth we actually know that he did come and live josephus tacitus for example the writing about jesus outside of outside of the gospels is massive you can't get away from it yeah you know people people writing historically to say um he, he was a man who claimed to work miracles. Do you know what I mean? That sort yeah. of claimed son of God. Um, you can't get away from the historical figure of Jesus. Yeah. There's more historical evidence for Jesus than Julius Caesar. That's one of my favourite quotes, actually. I think that was quite fun. Um, yeah. and, and in fact, Jesus makes reference to Caesar. So, uh, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's... Um, so, yeah, you've got 22% think he's a myth or a fictional character. 9% don't know who he is. 29% think he's a prophet. And I just want to come, I want to circle back to this point because you mentioned C.S. Lewis. You either accept that Jesus is the Son of God or he's a madman or a liar. Why did C.S. Lewis say that? And why do we in the church put that out there as something? Actually, think about this, guys, because, you know, if Jesus Jesus wasn't a nice guy, he was either the son of God or he was a complete lunatic. Why why do we give that polarization? Well, some of the things get lost in two, the year two thousand and twenty-two in English. Some of the things that Jesus is saying that clearly really angered the religious Jewish leaders of the day get lost a little bit in translation. Uh, Jesus is clearly to, claiming to be God. In, at numerous times, I mean, we go through John's gospel, the seven I am sayings, he's claiming to forgive sins. Mm. 
And that's really important because who on earth can forgive sins apart from God and wipe that slate clean? Um, he's claiming that if you believe in him, and we'll get onto this in John's gospel, I'm the resurrection and the life. He's claiming that if you believe in him, even though you die, you'll be raised to new life and spend eternity in heaven. These, these are claims that if a person makes, you'd say they're mad mm. unless they can back them up. That particular one, he backs up both by raising Lazarus from the dead and also through his own resurrection. Everything in Christianity hinges on the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so um, that's why, yeah, he was a prophet, but more than a prophet. Mm. He was a sinless savior. And um, that's why he, he claim, the claims he make, you have to say, he was either absolute nonsense or of utter first significance for all people for all time. Yeah, totally agree. And that's why I think when you when you understand about Jesus, when you learn about Christ, you are faced with this point where you go, either what he said is true or the man is a lunatic. And he can't be something in the middle. He can't be a nice guy in the middle, a holy guy, because a nice guy, a holy guy wouldn't make the claims that he did. He was either yeah. completely lying and therefore totally untrustworthy or what he said was true. And you kind of have to get your get your head around that. Uh, Dion right here in the comment, my Jesus, uh, in fact, I can add this. Let me do this. I think we have the technology. Yes, my Jesus flipped tables and washed dirty feet. He <laughs> he. Uh, and, and, and that's the interesting thing about Jesus, isn't it? He's, he does flip the tables and he does wash people's feet. Well, I mean, it's interesting that when Jesus flips the tables, he says, because my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Yeah. It's just called the temple where historically the presence of God on earth dwell is called it my house. Yeah. So that's just, it's literally on every page. Yeah, you can you know, be God in human form. And of course, the point was in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before God promised a time when he would come in human form. Mm. It'd be Emmanuel, God with us. So yeah. Um, and, and, and he had the confidence to serve. And I think that's the point when you encounter Jesus, you get the confidence to serve when you know that you're so loved by him and so transformed by him that you, you can do this, the, th the things that he did. Because you're not looking for status or recognition or fame or fortune. You only want him to be famous. Mm. And, um, and that's what Jesus says when he washed the dirty feet. He said, uh, now that I have done that, that's what you should do to others. It was the greatest uh, lesson in leadership, wasn't it? This washing of the dirty oh. feet. It was just it was unbelievable, uh, that, that whole side of things. Now, John, we have used this word transformed quite a lot right that jesus transforms us um and i just want to take a step back here um and ask the question and let's dig into it a little bit if you are not yet a christ follower if you are outside the church or if you, you're, you're kind of new to the christian message what does that mean how does god transform us yeah well i think there's two ways of answering it first and we mainly major on this so far it's, it's just an observational thing. 
you, you were in the service I was in and speaking at this morning, I was saying, when I look over my shoulder over my life over the past 10, 20 years, I can see that God has been at work in my life, changing me, mm. making me more like Jesus. Um, I can say that confidently because it's the Holy Spirit's work, not my work. I've just cooperated and surrendered to what the Spirit wants to do, and I've got a long way to go. Um, so, so let me give you some concrete examples of that. Um, there are things that were fears for me. Yeah. And as I brought those to Jesus and asked for his help, he's helped me to overcome those fears, things that would trouble me and make me anxious. And as I brought them to him, because he promises that um, he will bear our burdens and that he will fill us with his peace. And so, so every morning I come to him and say, Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Um, I ask you to fill my life with your peace. You promised to fill my heart and your mind with peace. And, and so my life is more characterized by his peace than um, it, it, it was before. And I'm growing in more and more of that. And I think this, that is true of so many areas of our life. Mm. Um, it's not just making us better people. It's things like um, I know there are things that I've done in the past that I'm ashamed about. But as I brought them to God... I've experienced his forgiveness and I've experienced his cleansing and I've experienced him freeing me from that shame and that guilt and that sense of, of condemnation. That's what we mean by transformation. Mm. That's what we mean. Uh, I've gone from being a very, very self-centered egotistical person to a less self-centered, <laughs> less egotistical person. And the Lord is um, doing a work in my... Let me give you a really vulnerable um, example. Um, this morning, I was up at seven to do my morning devotions, as I always do. And I've been a little bit tired. I've had huge amounts of additional stuff on. I felt I had no energy and no life. And I was like just listening, a bit like you had that song from Greg and Martha before. Mm. I was listening to worship music. I was just saying, Jesus... You have promised to be my strength. Mm. You have promised to strengthen me when I am weak. And I, if I'm honest, I was a little bit tearful. I was like, Jesus, I feel I've got nothing to give. Mm. I've got nothing to give. And I spent, you know, a bit of time. I'm a pastor, so I, <laughs> I, you would expect me to be able to prioritize that time. Not, not all church leaders do. It's so important to do that. Just to, just again, like James Sloan said, just to imagine it just to drink, drink that water. just yes. to receive. And I felt by the time I'd left the house, in fact, I took a little bit of bread and wine just to have communion with the Lord. I felt that's what he said to do. And I just felt I received from him and I was strengthened by him. And I was able to then go out as a church leader and be involved in the church service and hopefully bless lots of people and encourage Lots of people, not in my own strength, but in his strength. Mm. So that would be perhaps a more concrete example of this invitation to be transformed yeah. uh, that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Yeah, that's brilliant. And that's, I mean, like you say, that's a real concrete one, isn't it? And there are times when um, I will have the same story, you know, where you don't feel like you've got anything to give, but God, 
God usually does something, right? <laughs> and he yeah. brings that transformation. So I think there's transformation in many different ways, isn't there? There's transformation where he transforms our character. He tra- and, and as a result, our habits change, our thought patterns change. Um, uh, you know, he, he transforms our thinking. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about that, doesn't it, in Romans 12, about getting your mind transformed. Uh, and that normally happens for me when I read the Bible or, you know, listen Absolutely. to great sermons by your good self, ofs. Um, but it's that, and, and that brings that sort of, and like you say, you look back over years and go, man, God, I, I was not easy. I'm still not, but cheapers, man, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, what's gone on there? <laughs> and then like there's the 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 more instant transformation so you've uh feeling empty this morning we've known people um instantly get healed we've known people actually not get instantly healed but we know a lot of people that have done um and there's that that transformation there isn't there where it's sort of where god just sort of gets involved so how do we i mean you talked i suppose there's a clue in what you've already said if i think it through john you know when you're talking about how this morning you were just praying you're doing your daily devotionals is it as simple as as that to experience this transformation uh, of of God? I mean, I'm re- so I wrote a book, didn't I, called Reflex? You did. And Tra-la-la. I, I just want to do that every time your book title's mentioned. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> um, and I tried to unpack this dynamic of transformation of the Christian in detail because we rarely unpack the mechanism of it one of the things i say in the book is that um for the christian transformation is all, not automatic mm. it doesn't happen from being passive if it did the world would be full of transformed world-changing christians um, you've got to engage in the process um, and so the way i talk about it a bit like a reflex um, input stimulus and outcome response so i'd say if i poke you in the eye you blink you don't think about it it's automatic mm. if the doctor uses one of those hammers and taps you on the knee with one of those reflex hammers your knee swings if you're alive so it's about getting the right inputs that's why the passage from john 7 works so well for this yeah. it's the right input it you've got to, you've got to drink it in to use the particular metaphor that's used in today's passage so i would say um it's about encountering Jesus. Um, we encounter him through his word, just reading his word daily. Not again, academically, like James said, but reading to really see Jesus and gaze at Jesus and asking him, Jesus, what are you wanting to say to me today? Um, how are you revealing yourself to me today? Um, prayer, just talking to Jesus in more recent years, listening to Jesus. So I've really tried to build the habit of um and discipline of silence mm. and just sitting in silence um for extended periods to hear jesus speak to me um and again it's not an audible voice it's just that sense of his spirit within me mm. um worship but i think that community in whatever sense online or in person meeting with others and accountability in that as well so um, I, I would say if you wanted to experience radical transformation as a Christian, probably one of the most significant things you could do today is find a couple of other Christians that you trust, that you can be open with, that you can be vulnerable with, yeah. that you can talk about yeah. the challenges with, 
you can pray together. We were in a group, weren't we, for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were. We were very honest with each other, mm. confidentially about our challenges, our struggles in life. That was transformational. Yeah, it was. Over, and it was a drip feed effect, wasn't it? It wasn't mm. like a, an instant thing. It's like you look back over a six or seven year period, you're like, wow, man, God has done something in my life. Yeah. So one of the things that James said that I, I think we should probably just um, touch on real quick, so I'm aware of time. He talked about how this is not self-improvement. It's not like the self-help thing. This is, this is not what you're talking about, is it? It's not that kind of, you know, self-help, rah-rah kind of transformation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we call the message of Jesus good news, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the word gospel comes from the word good news as opposed to good advice. And that is the point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the Christian life will help you and impact your life in all sorts of remarkable ways. But fundamentally, um, it, it starts like this. It starts with the message that God deeply loves you. God deeply desires relationship with you. Um, all of us have done wrong things. All of us have sinned, to use that old fashioned word. You know, um, all of us have fallen short of God's standards. And um, and so God comes into our world and he becomes like us and takes on flesh and blood and human form so that that flesh and blood can be broken and poured out on the cross so that mm. all of your sin and all of my sin and all of your shame and all of my shame and all of our brokenness and all of our condemnation and all of our guilt and all of our sickness is placed on Jesus on the cross. He is a substitute. Mm. He is a sacrificial lamb for us, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we get his life and his freedom. And so really it's not about good advice or about self-help. It's about recognizing our deep, profound need for Jesus yeah. and his forgiveness and asking for that and he comes and he cleanses us and he makes his home in our hearts. That is the Christian message. Mm -hmm. That is the good news that we can be forgiven and set free in our relationship with Jesus restored. So we are good news people and we yeah. want the world to know that. That's such a good saying. And I, I've, I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You know, the visualizing your goals and saying it out loud every day and, you know, tell the universe that's what you want. This is, the, the Christian message, the power of it doesn't come from you. It comes from him and it comes from Christ in you. You know, the the God of the universe that lives inside you, which is still one of the most miraculous things I've got to try and get my head around every day. Right. That he makes his home in us. Uh, in fact, I wrote that in my notes earlier, John, as you were talking, I just wrote he makes our home in us brackets. And once he moves in, he likes to give it a bit of a clean close brackets. <laughs> he, does. he does. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. yeah. We belong to him and he belongs to us. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally yeah. true. So it's not self-help. This is not you trying to do something in your own strength. This is this is uh, the gospel. One last thing, John, uh, totally a, li a little bit off-piste, but related to what Anna said, and Dion actually put this, I've marked it down here. Um, so Anna starts off her story by talking about how she went to food bank and met Estelle, right, who is also one of God's choice people, right? She is just such a lovely, lovely lady. Yeah. And so Dion wrote here, always good to hear about the power of a good welcome. Yeah. And there's there's something quite magical 
about that, isn't there? I mean, you've seen it in church and I've seen it in church. And actually the, the welcome that you get when you when you go into church, I think can often make or break what you how you feel about that whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I just want, any thoughts on that? Because I just, we've been talking about it. I just thought I'd, I'd mention that because I thought it was such a good point. Well, let me just say, first of all, um, I'm sat looking at a computer screen with a camera in front of me. I can see a few comments coming up. There are some names I know, some names I don't know. I mean, thank you for joining us. Yeah. I mean, we we are so blessed that you have joined us and given some of your time, and I hope it really blesses you, and I hope you, you connect in. So whatever I can say to welcome you guys, um, welcome. It's just brilliant having you part of what's going on here and being part of it. I, I remember I went to a church in, um, in, in Singapore a number of years ago, and um, I was a little bit tired and weary in life and we were welcomed so well mm. we were made to feel so special that it was like like the best bit of the service mm. it was like it was it was in itself almost like transformational you know it's um xenophobia xenophilia the um the the sort of love of the stranger it's just to sort of make people feel like they're part of the family mm. and I just think that's so much what Jesus is doing in the Gospels. Jesus is, there's the push and the pull of Jesus. For those who think they know best, the arrogant, the religious elite, there is a push, there's a challenge. But for the whosoevers, for the lonely, for the outcasts, for the isolated, for the excluded, there is a welcome from Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I suppose as his representatives on earth, his followers, we need to get much more better uh welcoming and receiving people like like jesus did because he was yeah. the master of it. yeah i totally agree and it goes without saying regardless of who you are or where you are what you believe or what you don't believe you're always welcome uh always welcome at crowd always welcome at frontline here in liverpool if you're in the city we would love to see you we would love to meet you uh it's um yeah it's one of those big challenges like you say to always be kind of that welcoming isn't it oh brilliant so john let me just uh, bring up this comment here because <laughs> Matt Crew, who always reminds me of the things that I should or shouldn't say, uh, bless him, has put here in the comments, um, where's it gone here? Don't forget everyone, the clocks change, in fact, let me put it on, uh, the clocks change uh, next Sunday morning, join us at 6pm uh, GMT next Sunday, Matt Edmondson mm. announces this at the end of the live stream, so... <laughs> Thank really you, uh, Matt, for that public Thank service you. announcement announcement there. John, so we get another hour in bed, don't we? Uh, is that we do, don't we? We get another hour yeah. in bed next weekend, which is uh, which is. I have to be honest. I just think they need to get rid of this clock changing nonsense. But you know, I don't want to get too political here on Crowd Church. But come on, government, uh, you know, fix it. We don't need it. <laughs> Change the way happens on my birthday weekend. So for as long as I can remember, I've had a, a, a I've lost an hour. I've had to get up like we've lost <laughs> an hour on my birthday birthday weekend. Oh, that's not a good that's not a good association to have, is it? Really, yeah. just you need to get rid of that. Uh, so yes, let's petition uh, the new government, whoever they are, whoever comes in power. God bless you. Um, I saw actually. Can we get a little bit political? I saw. Um, Justin Wellsby wrote on Twitter that he had been praying for Liz Truss after she resigned. 
uh, and said, uh, you know, regardless of political opinion, you've been a public servant. Uh, thank you for your service and um, praying for you. Well, the backlash um, from people over that, it's like, well, what about praying for the poor? What about this? What about that? And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that means Justin's not doing that. Uh, no. You know, I, I think it's all in there. Um, yeah. So regardless of your political stance, do be praying for England uh, at the moment in this political climate which we now face ourselves. Uh, we and I'm going to say, Matt, and I know you and I agree on this from over the years, but if you're a follower of Jesus, let's not use social media to say things that are rude and offensive and argumentative and disrespectful that undermine our witness to the world mm. uh, about people. Because whatever you think of that person or that from that political party or whatever, God loves them deeply. Mm -hmm. And God longs to bring his grace and his mercy to them. They're just a broken human, just like you and I, who needs God's love and God's grace. So yeah, let's yeah. love them. Let's, let's pray for them. Said, that could not have said that better myself. Absolutely. Uh, let's do that. And actually, um, I often think when I read some of those social media comments by Christians, um, it undermines their, it, it undermines is the wrong phrase. It shows me that their faith is in the government rather than in the God of the government, if that makes sense. Uh, and um, I think it's just in times like this, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to panic because Jesus is still on the throne. Uh, and he's still well, that's someone whose life has been transformed by Jesus. Because when you realize how real he is in your life, mm -hmm. it gives you a confidence when all the energy bills are going up and when who knows who's going to be in government for how long and who knows what Russia's going to do. And yet our confidence is not in any of those things. Mm -hmm. It's in the living relationship that we have with Jesus. Yeah, totally, totally. And that's the hope we have, one of the many uh, uh, that we can hold on to in this political crazy time. Yes, I'm keen. Yes, I'm interested. Yes, I care. But fundamentally, my hope is built on him uh, and he's the anchor of my soul. So uh, we can trust in that. But obviously, you know, pray for our government and um, and our leaders at this time and that God's will be done in terms of you know what happens next really england needs a little bit of uh, uh that's that's very true uh dion i'm just sorry glancing over at youtube neither trust nor boris nor rishi i suppose uh nor penny morden or any of the other conservative contenders uh have the power to stop the plans or power of jesus amen very true john thank you so much for joining us buddy uh it's been great to see you uh, always love hosting with you always love conversation street yeah. i always, always love pleasure. throwing you the tricky questions because <laughs> <laughs> you, you quite happily answer them uh, if you ask some other people they tend to throw them back at you and i'm just like no no, no i'm just going to give john these that's fine i didn't even know that was an option next time <laughs> It's, for you, mate, it's not. Uh, next week, we have Esther Richards speaking. Talk about transformation. Mm -hmm. Esther has a phenomenal story, which is on the What's the Story podcast, mm -hmm. um, how God brought her through insane depression 
um, and almost on the verge of suicide. And if you want to hear that story, it's on What's the Story. It's the very first one. Anna Kettle and Dan Orange will be hosting. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with Phil Watson, uh, which will just be hysterical. Um, <laughs> just the way it's going to be. Uh, but brilliant at the same time, because that's just Phil. Uh, so... We are going to end Crowd Church right there. Do come join us next week, 6 p.m. If you would like to join in our weekly uh, live stream, uh, weekly live, it's not a weekly, uh, midweek prayer meeting is what I'm trying to say. If you'd like to come join us on Zoom midweek in our community group slash prayer meeting slash get together slash whatever's going to happen, happens. Uh, we would love to see you. Just get in touch with us. We will send you the details for that. It was great. Miriam joined us this week. So uh, great to see Miriam. Uh, thank you so much, uh, as John said, for joining us. Thanks for giving up your time and joining in the comments. Good to see so many people in the comments. Uh, so Sarah, uh, no worries. Thanks. She says, thanks for such a great stream. Um, Matt Cruz says, thanks to the ancient ones for hosting tonight. I think he's talking about you, John. Um, <laughs> brilliant. God bless you, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Uh, we'll be back again next week uh, from John and myself. God bless you. Bye, everyone.